considering that you're the highest paid state employee and there's a two billion dollar budget deficit, yep. do you think that's not a dime back? Not a dime back. Not a dime back. I'd like to be able to retire someday. Gonzaga! The slipper still fits! Kemba Walker. Step back. Walker. Cardiac Kemba! Does it again! Whoa, he has trouble with the snap! Oh, oh, oh. Got him. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. How about that? Flowers for three! Wisconsin takes the lead! Bo Ryan is a thief! There goes Davis! Oh my god! Davis is going to run it all the way back! Auburn's going to win the football game! Welcome back, everyone, to the Campus Tour podcast. We are back after the sadness of March Madness being over and... Well, we got five months till college sports are back, six months till college sports are back, but we're gonna we're gonna persevere through like we always do. Um, but it was a good good tournament, well, crazy tournament, I should say at least. I don't know how good people want to say it was, but I thought it was a fair, fairly strong strong tournament, just given all the upsets. But um, we're gonna be breaking that down and pass fail, um, and then we're gonna do peer review at the end. So we get to look at how bad our picks were again, and and. Uh, see our our best picks too as well so we always get that little fun part where we get to cheer ourselves up at least uh and then in the middle we have an awesome interview with nebraska legend teron petaway um some of you might remember him from that team that nebraska team that made the tournament which was like their first i think it was the first one ever so uh he's definitely a legend there he's a legend in our eyes because we're huge big 10 guys so it was great talking to him he stayed up till 3 a.m. for us, which amazing. What a guy, what a guy. So uh, definitely listen to that. He was awesome. Um, but we'll start with pass fail. Brad, do you want to give me your pass? I feel like we're probably going to have the same pass. Pass has to go to UConn for yep. me. Um, I mean, to touch on the Miami game in the final four, I mean, they showed right away, I thought, um, in that game against Miami that they were the best team in Houston this weekend. Got up to a 13-point lead at halftime, out-rebounded Miami 41-32. to Isaiah Wong, he wasn't a huge factor in this game. He was 4 for 10, only had 15 points. Sonogo led the way for UConn. He had a double-double, 21 points, 10 rebounds. And then um, same kind of story against San Diego State in the finals. UConn won 76-59. Um, at one point, they were up 17 in that game. Um, cut it to five with five minutes left, but then UConn pulled away again. Um, again, the star on the opposing team kind of struggled. Matt Bradley only had eight points. He was two for nine from the field for San, Di- San Diego State. And Sinogo, again, he finished with another double-double, 17 points, 10 rebounds. Really showed why he was the um mvp out of the the final four um it, overall you know i i thought uconn really impressed me i mean um early in the year i don't think they were ranked in the preseason and um they showed you know early on that um they were a force to be reckoned with and um it's cool to see hurley and the guys um win the championship definitely man i mean <clears throat> they absolutely dominated the hell out of everyone they played i mean iona was the only team that gave them a little bit of a yeah. fight 
which is hilarious. They were, they were up at half on him. So, I yeah. mean, people are doing the whole, are they a blue blood? Are they not a blue? I mean, they've won five championships since 1999. Yeah. I don't know how that's not yeah. a blue blood. Yeah, blue they've blood. had, you know, a couple roller coaster years in between some of those. But, I mean, they dominate March like no other team has dominated March in the past 25 years. So, absolutely <laughs> blue blood. Um I mean, good for Danny Hurley as well, who's now in my eyes probably the top top three, top five coach in college basketball. What he's done there was amazing because where they got it from, Kevin Ollie was an absolute disaster. They weren't they weren't doing much. They were in the freaking American at that point, American Conference, uh, and they moved over to the Big East, which helped a ton, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, they, I mean, I was talking about them having a roller coaster kind of in between seasons of championships, but they also had a roller coaster this year. They were, I mean, best, best team, the first two months of the uh, the year. And then all of a sudden, January, February, some of February, they struggle quite a bit. And then they just turned it on. They turned it on again. And like I said, they beat the crap out of everyone they played. So, you know, people are going to complain that uh, it wasn't as good of a March because of it, but I mean, they dominated. That's off to them. Yeah. Who is your fail? Had to before before saying my fail, I'd like to give FAU um, a little (laughs) bit of of benefit of the doubt. I mean, their run was great to make it to the Final Four. Um, they were nine seed, correct? Um, yes. Yeah, they played Memphis in the first round. Mm-hmm. They didn't, ironically, that was their toughest game until losing to San Diego State. But anyways, FAU, great run, great Cinderella story. We were all cheering for them. But being up for 14 points with just 14 minutes left in the game definitely stings a little bit. Um, San Diego State then came back, and um, Lamont Butler hit the buzzer beater. Um, no timeout at the end of the game yeah. by Brian Dutcher either. Um, Did you hear what he said? Was, he was just like, I, I didn't. Know I he, he just said he was like, I didn't have any plays left up, or I didn't have any plays left to give them. So, well, then I'm not going to give him as much credit as I was going to before hearing that. But I mean, yes, that, that worked. It, it worked. <laughs> um, yeah, it was you know a great game, very fun. Um, sophomore Elijah Martin, he led FAU with 26 points. And then Matt Bradley for San Diego State, he had 21 points, four threes. Um, yeah, really fun game. Um, hats off to FAU, but being up 14 with just, you know, just under 14 minutes left in the game, that's definitely going to leave a sour taste in their mouth of maybe what could have been if, if they were victorious and made it to Monday. Yeah, that, that, I mean, they still were amazing. They had the most wins in the yes. country when it was all said and done. So still, yeah, hats off to them for an amazing season. I didn't see it coming. I picked Memphis quite a bit, um, but I'm just a sucker for Penny sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, my fail, I went a little bit of a sillier route. I went with the Miami Equipment Department for the whole shoe debacle. Uh, you got to have a shoe ready for every player. I mean, what are we doing here? They They had no shoe ready. For Nigel Pack when he he burst through his shoe or whatever the hell happened, so he had to sit on the bench a while. They they just kept showing us like the videos of the equipment managers running back and forth. 
at one point they bring one out and he just like hands it back. He's like, I'm not going to fit in. It's <laughs> like, these are not the right size. So then they have to show this poor kid running down the, down the hall to get it. And I don't want to be filmed running either because this, this man, he's not a runner. <laughs> so no. I, would, I would look the same way running, trying to get the shoes. So it was, it was tough for him, but it was a pretty hilarious in a, a hilarious moment in a pretty boring game if we're being completely honest uh but like seeing the shoe guy run back and forth I'm like it reminded me of the turf guy in the badger game against ohio state when that bit of turf uh was yes, yes. And they, they had to bring some guy out to to fill in the turf somehow and it was like a whole whole thing so that's what i mean that's but i'm gonna remember that now like I will remember like one of the final four moments was that poor kid getting shown on TV running to go get someone's shoes. So that reminds me with um at the Cole Center this year. What's what's the box mascot? Bang, Bang- Bangle. Yeah, that's right. Bangle broke the the rim or whatever <laughs> at the Cole Center and it, dude, it, I felt bad, but it was so funny. There was like four or five, like probably guys in their like 40s or 50s, just <laughs> sweating, just freaking out, trying to figure out what the hell they were going to do. It, it was pretty funny um, <laughs> and a side side piece to the game. So what the hell did Bango do, man? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah, seeing that one. on my phone, like before the half came back on and they're like, um, so Bango broke the rim. <laughs> Yes, yes. Of course, of course he did. Of course he did. All right, that is our pass-fail from the Final Four. Like I said, I still enjoyed it. I mean, obviously it wasn't as... Oh, me too. wasn't as intense as... Well, almost last year, you get almost too much blue blood. I mean, they're great games, but that's almost a little too much. This was probably a little too much Cinderella. So we maybe next year we'll find the perfect. We'll have a couple ones and twos, couple maybe four, and then like an eight, and then I'm all in. That that's when they're the best. So, um, all right. Next up, we got the Teron Petaway interview. Like I said, super awesome dude, and we hope you guys enjoy that. So we'll turn you over to that now. All right, we are joined today by Nebraska legend Teron Petaway. How are you doing, man? Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing good. It's about three in the morning where I'm at. I'm doing good, though. Wow. Sacrificing yeah, yeah. it. We appreciate it. Uh, no worries, man. I definitely wasn't <laughs> going to stand you guys up. No worries. That's why you're the best, man. All right, Brad, you want to kick it off? Yeah, definitely. So sitting back now and reflecting on your collegiate basketball career, is there anything that you would do differently if you could go back in time and relive those college years again? Oh, man, I think about that all the time. The only thing I probably do different is my attitude. You know, even though it helped me in a lot of games, I think it hurt me as well. You know, I think I I was a little bit too much outspoken when it came to refs and things like that during the games. I think that would be the only thing I would change. But other than that, nah, I think I gave it because I think I gave it my all, man, practice and training sessions. Yeah, that would be the only thing I'd probably change. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. When playing sports, it's, you know, afterwards, you're kind of in the moment, too. So it's easy to, um, you know, kind of release those emotions sometimes. So definitely get that. Um, Can you touch on your relationship with Coach Tim Miles and 
how he made, played a role in your development over your college years? Uh, it was big, you know, Tim, it was not even only Coach Miles, it was also Coach Craig Smith. Uh, to this day, he, he was one of the first guys that ever recruited me at Colorado State, him and Coach Miles. That was like the first that I ever got in high school that I seen come to the house. So, you know, once I wanted to transfer from Tech, I knew that that was where I was going. Once they got the job in Nebraska, but those guys helped me tremendously. Them and Coach Johnson, I don't know where he's at now. The last time I checked, he was at Minnesota, but I don't think he's there anymore. But those guys, they helped me tremendously, especially in my red shirt year. Um, just staying in Nebraska for like a year straight, just working out, staying in the weight room. So they, they actually changed my life, man. If it wasn't for that red shirt year, I probably wouldn't be playing basketball right now. Wow. Yeah. Were you there when he was tweeting during halftime about the game? Yeah, that was the year that I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. That was incredible. I remember just I would always – I followed him during that season because I'm like, this is incredible that he's just tweeting out at halftime like, got to work on. He, I'm sorry. He was ahead of his time with that. That was actually kind of smart. I know some coach probably thought it was crazy, but if you think about it, social media savvy, it was kind of smart. It was. He was ahead of his time. I agree. Um, so obviously you're playing overseas now. What what kind of has been the biggest adjustment from playing overseas to to playing in the in the states? Um, the game is, is slower. It's way more slower and it's way more skill. It's not a lot of possessions. It actually helps you, man. Like I, the way they teach the kids to play over here. Like when we watch the younger kids practice and whatnot. It is. I actually wish we would we do it more in America. I think our kids would be way better. Yeah, I always found the difference when the U.S. guys go play FIBA games. Like it's so interesting to see how they adjust to it all. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you home, you go home to a gym at home right now. And you go watch the kids play. All they doing is jacking up threes and effing yeah. around with the ball. But you come here, you see kids. Well, for most most programs or AU programs. You come here and the coaches is just teaching the kids pocket passes. They teaching them how to swing the ball. They teaching them how to play just three versus three. So they teach them a lot of things that once they get 15 and they start playing with protein, 16, it becomes second nature. And so their skill set is, I feel like sometimes higher. We just have more athletic kids. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Uh, so you transferred at a time that it wasn't like super prevalent. Um, obviously now it's it's more commonplace for players to to transfer with the new rules. What kind of advice would you give to people or uh, players thinking about transferring now? Um, I mean, I know a lot of players want to hear, but don't be afraid to register you. Like a lot of kids, like they could play it right away, which is amazing. But I'm so glad that that rule was not in play when I transferred because that rare shirt year was so huge for me, man. I, I came to Nebraska 185, started that year after that 215. You know, the Big Ten at that time was arguably probably the best conference in basketball at that time. So, like, just putting on the weight, the weight room, just sitting that entire year and watching those games every day, watching the Big Ten conference on the sideline, getting to see different things without playing, you know, the game was kind of slowed down for me. So, I think that red shirt year is huge, but a lot of kids won't take it. I don't think they will, but I don't think they should run from it. I think it's a, a huge benefit. I, I love that. I, I like the new rule of, you know, like transfers and stuff, not having to sit out a year, but um, it definitely takes away a little part of the game. Like you're kind of touching where, um, you know, if a freshman comes in and they're a high recruit out of high school, 
the the need to start right away or they almost seem kind of reluctant to take that year as like a red shirt and kind of learning um to your point i think that's really kind of crucial in developing over time because high school to college college to professional um it's a big transition so huge man yeah i think especially if you're not of course you my high school that's going to be top five picks like it's on like the, the talent that they have they're going to be top five those guys of course they need to play right away but everybody's not yep, a top yep. five pick everybody's not coming out of high school kind of ready to play in the nba so if they would just be open to that i think a lot of kids will excel more than that's not if that makes sense exactly yep i totally agree yep uh, so I was doing some research uh, for the interview. You have two older brothers that played in college, right? Uh, yeah, well, my oldest brother played at Lamar and my middle brother played a little bit of Juco ball. Gotcha. Well, I, I just have to ask, you know, how are pickup games with those two? How's horse? How, like, how competitive is it between you three? Uh, it, it was very competitive until I got to a certain age to where it wasn't even, it's not a competition, like it's not a competition anymore. <laughs> Yeah, y'all go ahead and sit down, man. Don't even do it to yourself. But when <laughs> I was younger, man, my dad, um, he had keys to the gym, the YMCA. You know, all me and my friends, we used to all go there and play, and he would like, have all the older guys come in. And so we'd be 13, 14 in there playing as grown men, and it would get pretty competitive, man. But it was it helped us a lot. i tell you that. It gave us an edge, man. So your sophomore year, you led the league in scoring with a little over 18 points per game. And then you led Nebraska to their first NCAA tournament appearance since 1998. Can you talk about kind of what that meant to you and to um, the program? Man, that was amazing, man, especially watching the NCAA tournament this year. Like I was just thinking about the memories, even though we lost in the first round, just that, that year, that run we had, we were picked dead last that year, nobody in the Big Ten picked me to do what I did. Nobody even thought I would average nowhere near that, that many points. So that whole year was just magical. You know, we lost one game at home, and it was to Michigan. I missed the layup. I, mean, I still remember missed the layup at the buzzer. And we would have, if we wouldn't have lost, that would have been perfect at home. That entire year was just big for us, for the community, you know, for Nebraska's program at the time. So that was huge. Yeah. And so, you know, who would you say was the hardest person that you had to go up against and, and why? Man. Yeah, looking back at the, um, like, Nebraska schedule back then and just seeing some of the players that was in college basketball, um, it was definitely a pretty time. You know, one team, I know, I'm trying to think of a player, but the team that we could not – I feel like I think we beat everybody for self hour. I would kick our butt every, every year. The both years I was at Nebraska, they kicked our butt. They were we cannot beat those guys. I don't Jared know Utah? why. Is that Jared Utah? I think it uh, was. No, it was Aaron White. Oh was yeah. Was tough on that team? I don't know who's on that team. Was Utah? Devin Marble on that team? Oh, he was on. I think Marvel was on it the first year, I think, but the second year, I don't think he was there. Uh, they had Jock too there for a while. Yeah, it was Aaron White and those guys. We could not beat them, man. Like they, they gave it to us both times we played those guys. But the toughest player, though, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to see who killed them. <laughs> who gave us a tough time, man? Because, like I said, that it was Ohio State was good. Everybody was freaking good, man. Everybody. Yeah, I would have to say 
probably Kaminsky, just how Don like that's how he was. I was like, you know, a seven footer being able to pass, being able to shoot, like that Wisconsin team. I remember that year I was telling everybody, me and my friends, I really believed that Wisconsin was gonna beat Kentucky that year because I felt like they were just it was everybody on the floor could shoot the ball. And when you see that, that's that's tough, man. And when that's that's tough to guard, no matter who you have on the other end. If everybody from one through five can shoot the three pointer at a thirty-five and up clip, thirty-five percent and up, you're gonna create mismatches. Well, as a Badger fan, and I'm sure I can speak for Derek too, um, I love that answer. But um, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Derek and I have talked off air so much about that Badger team. And um, yeah, I mean, Frank Kaminsky was great. I mean, Decker or Nigel Hayes or Bronson would have a good game. You'd look at the box score and um, Frank, you'd look at Frank's stats and he'd have like 30 points and 10 rebounds. So um, yeah. He could stretch the floor. He could burn you inside. He could play defense. Um, he could really do everything. So, um, yeah. All right, we got a couple rapid fire questions here, and then we'll let you go. Just straight off, straight off. First thing you think of when when we uh, ask it, uh, Brad. Okay. All right, favorite college memory. Uh, such a Sunday. Okay. Favorite place away from Nebraska to play in the Big Ten? Michigan State. Okay. Yeah. Team that you never got to play in college, but you wished you did? Duke. That's a good answer. Like that. uh, what Nebraska-related NIL deal would you have done if you had the chance? Ronza, for sure. I, I had a feeling that was going to be the answer. <laughs> Ronza, for sure. <laughs> If you didn't play at Tech or Nebraska, where would have you played at? Uh, I wanted to go to UNLV when Ron Kruger was the coach, but my mom told me I was not going to Las Vegas. It wasn't <laughs> a chance in the world that I was going to school out there. That's, That's funny. <laughs> Favorite teammate you played with at Nebraska? Uh, Benny Parker. Okay. All right, and last question. If you could change one rule about college basketball, either in your day or today's game, what would it be? Oh, shit. Mm. I would lower the shot clock to the NBA. I would lower it from 35 to, what is it, 24 in the NBA now? Yeah, it's right 24. Now? Yep. I would lower it. I like it. More possessions. More possessions. Yeah. Badgers would score more than 50 some games. That'd be nice. Yeah, I would. I, would, I think that's the rule I would change. Just because, you know, everybody's goal will be preparing for is the next level. I think I think it'd actually make the game better. I do too. Yeah. Kind of with you on that one. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It means a lot, especially since you stayed up till three a.m. Man, I mean, geez. Sure. Yes. Thank, thank you guys for having me, man. You know, you guys want to talk to me, so I appreciate you guys for having me, man. Thank you. Of course, we always yeah. want to talk to talk to legends. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys, <laughs> man. All right, man. Take care. All right. Take thank care. You. God bless. All right, we're going to wrap up now with peer review. Uh, we've done this a couple times. I'm going to give Bradley his worst picks and his best picks in a preview show, and then he's going to give me my best pick and worst pick. Um, what? How do you want? How do you want to do this one? You get to pick. Um, let's do the good news at the end. Let's do um, okay. Bad picks first. Bad picks first. Okay. Well. Some of these are a little incomplete for you. Like, you weren't fully wrong, 
but close enough to wrong. Because the first one here that I wrote down is Nick Smith Jr. being the most exciting, which isn't your fault, but like he just didn't play. No, yes. And I do remember in that um that podcast, I did mention Brandon Miller, like in the I, I think I, I talked about Bama. I have that, yes. Okay. Welcome to the guys. Don't do diligence here. <laughs> Nick Smith Jr. was one. You also had Caleb Love as most exciting as well, which yeah. kind of hurt. And then Notre Dame is your sleeper in the ACC. Coach quit three-quarters of the way through the season, so that's another tough one. But overall, I mean, yeah. those being your worst picks, it was kind of like football. You you kind of had the same thing where it was like, you know, I can't really fault you for this, some of these because, like, if Nick Smith would have just played, Caleb Love being not – very good this year was I don't think anyone would have guessed that the Notre Dame one I could maybe I could maybe knock you for yeah that's fair um I can't same thing with you um I I picked the UNC to win the ACC for you (laughs) um again not to your fault I think everyone really did it after the championship run Mm -hmm. the year before um, UNC finished 20 and 13, seventh in the ACC this year, and then they declined their NIT. Right? <laughs> shame, um, shame, so, shame. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your teams play the NIT, and at least they just get to the semifinals. Yes, and then forget how to play basketball. In the second <laughs> half. Oh man, what a great time! Uh, okay, now we can get to your good ones because you had. Uh, two really good ones. You nailed uh, Hami Hakez, Pac-12 Player of the Year. Nailed it. He was awesome. I was texting you during that game when they lost to Gonzaga. I, just so sad. I'm so sad we don't get to watch Hakez and and her boy Tiger anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to have to watch. If they go overseas, I'm going to have to watch. If they play G League, I'm going to have to watch. I have to keep watching Tiger Campbell because he is – he will be one of my all-time favorite college basketball players to ever watch. And then it was fun. Yes. 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 And then your really big one that you hit on Alabama sleeper team for yes. the CC was was very solid. Obviously, they were the number one team for some bits of the year, uh, which was a hell of a pick. And Brandon Miller panned out as you predicted. Yep, and two others. Not not to toot my own horn, but two <laughs> honorable, down your own. <laughs> <laughs> two honorable mentions. Oh, okay. I'll say most exciting player in the Big East. I I had Cam Whitmore, so I'll take credit for that. Um, he had a pretty big year. He was unanimous. Um, well, I think he averaged close to like twelve or thirteen a game, but he was unanimous first team or all Big East conference selection and then he'll be a first round pick look he's but no tyler colic man what was that he said he's no tyler colic man no no <laughs> and the other one um to give give myself a little more um self-esteem big 12 winner kansas um i did pick that oh, pretty chalk pretty giving it to myself and um this was this was bill self's 17th big yeah. 12 title which is you know props to him for 17 regular season conference titles that's I, pretty impressive. 
I would like to think that I would have been right had not a certain coach at Texas done some things that he probably shouldn't have done because I picked Texas, I believe. Okay. And that's a good transition. I did. I did still give you credit for that. Okay. Your big 12 conference winner, because um, they did win the conference tourney and they were behind, um, behind um, Kansas in the regular season. Also, they beat Kansas in the Big 12 finals by 20 points, and they didn't have Timmy Allen that game. So that was pretty impressive. And then the other one I wanted to give you credit on was your Big 12 sleeper. You did have TCU. Yes. Um, they had a pretty big year. Uh, um, finished 22 and 13, fifth in the Big 12. Had six wins over ranked opponents. And at one point, they were ranked I think top 15, maybe yeah. even close to 10 or 11 um, in the country. And, you know, a lot of people didn't really see that coming into the year. Finished um, finished the year in the second round, lost to um, Gonzaga um, in the second round. Shout out Mike Miles. Nice had a feeling. Yeah. Yep. We did both, I think, pick UCLA, I believe. Mm-hmm. For the Pac-12. We did. We did. Yep. Since we're giving ourselves credit, and I I didn't write this down, I wasn't intending to give myself credit, but since Brad gave himself credit, I will <laughs> give myself credit for saying that Utah was actually going to be competitive yes. this year. So I nailed that. <laughs> I, did, I almost brought that up, too. I did see that was your sleeper pick. And, you know, especially to start the year in yeah. um, non-conference play and then Early on, I think, in conference play, um, yeah, that was looking pretty good. So, mm-hmm. Well, there we go. What a year of college basketball is what it, it was. Uh, I can't wait for next year, literally already. Uh, I can't wait for college football because now I'm actually excited about it for once. It's been a while. But now I'm watching every single piece of content that I can of college football. I'm just so ready. We'll be counting down the days somehow watching brewer baseball to get ourselves through it at least i will i don't know about what do you what do you watch you go yeah yeah he's got the brewer sweatshirt on he's a huge brewer guy obviously everyone knows brad and brewers synonymous together oh we got we got Giannis too we forgot about that we got and we can watch Giannis for a while or yeah, yeah. whoever your team is i don't want to point fingers at who has to watch tyler harrow but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we hope everyone yes. enjoyed the off season. Um, we might drop a couple off season episodes uh, for you guys to listen to, probably some rewatches or something like that that we always like to do. So, um, but enjoy your off season, and we'll talk soon.